everyone. How are we all doing? Are we okay? Great. Josh is very excited about the new table. Sorry, lectern. Pub garden table. I mean lectern. So, um, yeah, let me just help myself to a little drink off the table. Excellent, I'll move on now. Start the tape now. Um, Okay. It's really important with what I'm going to bring this evening that we remember what God has said to us um, through the prophetic word. Because I feel like God wants to challenge us this evening. I feel like he wants to um, just make us think and maybe confront us a little bit, maybe convict us a little bit in places for some of us. But it's really, really important that we remember what he's already said to us. And I'm so grateful that he spoke to us through Shah earlier on and and made it really, really clear that he doesn't come to judge us. Doesn't come to judge us, but sometimes he does come to challenge us, doesn't he? Sometimes he does come to um, bring conviction, to show us, because he he loves us so much that he'll take us wherever we're at, but he loves us so much that he's not prepared to leave us where we're at. He wants to challenge us. He wants to shake us up a little bit sometimes and to call us into that better life that he's created and designed um, for us. And I think that's a little bit of what um, God wants to do for us this evening. I'm going to be reading a, a passage that for some of you will be really, really familiar. So we'll start there. We'll dive in together to John chapter 15, verses 1 to 17. John 15, 1 to 17. Jesus says this, he says, I am the true vine, and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I've spoken to you. Remain in me as I remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine, and neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers, and such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I've kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. I've told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. You're my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I've called you friends. For everything that I learned from my father, I've made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit. Fruit that will last. And so that whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. And this is my command. Love each other. 
familiar passage, like I said, for many of us. In fact, it's a really kind of familiar biblical analogy, this whole idea of producing fruit. It's an idea that appears again and again in Scripture. God's people are supposed to be fruitful. Actually, that's an expression um, that's kind of come to be an everyday expression even in, you know, secular language today, hasn't it? We talk about the fruit of a person's labors. Um, we talk about being fruitful in a, in a particular task or job or whatever. We, we know what it means. It means producing some results, doesn't it? It means, you know, for the, for the effort we put in, for the work we put in, there is some kind of result. There's something to show at the end of it. If you think about a, a, a fruit tree, because, you know, it gets pretty technical this evening, but like a vine, it's like a grape tree, okay? We call it a vine. I know like apples, we call it an apple tree. Pear, we call it a pear tree. But grapes, we call it a vine, okay? So it's like a vine, it's like a grape tree. Um, and, and we get the idea that a grape tree is supposed to produce grapes. And that if everything is going on right in the grape tree, in the vine, if, if it's like getting all its nutrients and the whole photosynthesis thing, I know you're impressed, um, is going on properly as it should, then if everything's working, the nutrients are coming up, the water's coming up, the right amount of sunlight, that, you know, if everything's going well, then the grapes are like what you, how you can tell that that vine is healthy. It's how you can tell that all that stuff that's supposed to be happening that we can't see happening, but you can see the grapes. You can see the fruit. So there's supposed to be some evidence, there's supposed to be something to show for the fact that all this stuff is going on on the inside. And the fact that a vine is supposed to be fruitful is kind of like mega obvious, okay? So much so that, and, and obviously these are, these are like, you know, very agricultural kind of people that Jesus is speaking to. We're a little bit more kind of like industrialized, technology focused. So I don't know whether Jesus maybe today would have talked about, you know, imagine a car with no wheels. Or maybe imagine an iPhone with no screen. You know, other mobile devices are available. Um, and actually better, quite frankly, but that's another whole subject. Um, I'll keep going. But Jesus is confronting people with this really kind of obvious image. Like a vine is supposed to be fruitful. And, and to have branches on a vine that, that don't produce fruit is like really a bit of a waste of space. Now remember, he's not come to bring judgment and condemnation. But he has come to challenge us. When we look at our lives as Christians, when we look at our lives as followers of Jesus, they're supposed to be fruit. When people were coming to John the Baptist, when he started to baptize people, uh, and some of the religious folk were coming along, and they were into all their rules and regulations and their ceremonies. They were into looking holy, looking spiritual, looking religious. And so they came along. They thought, great, there's a new ceremony going on. We'll be in for that. We'll look great in front of everyone. And John criticizes them, and he calls them hypocrites. And he says, you have to go and produce fruit in keeping with your repentance. 
You can't just go through the motions. You can't just tick the boxes. You can't just turn up at the meetings and try and impress everyone. There actually has to be something in your life that looks different as a result of what's going on on the inside. So much so that Jesus confronts those religious leaders, those, those hypocritical people, those people that are just going through the motions and, and ticking all the boxes. He confronts them in Matthew chapter 21 and verse 43. And he says this to them, Matthew 21 and verse 43. Therefore, I tell you that the kingdom of God will be taken away from you and given to a people who will produce its fruit. He says to the, to the religious leaders, the people that have got bogged down in just keeping the rules and going through the motions, and he says, do you know what? Actually, there's this amazing rule and reign of God. There's this good and loving rule that you're supposed to embrace, and you're supposed to live under, and you're supposed to fill the world with that, but you're not even producing any evidence in your own lives that you're part of this rule and reign. There's nothing to show for it. You claim to be part of God's people, you claim to be followers of God. You claim to be part of his covenant people. But we can't see anything going on here. We can't see any love. We can't see any justice. We can't see any righteousness. We can't see you standing up for the oppressed and the poor and the marginalized. We can't see you standing up for truth. We can't see you healing the sick and proclaiming the good news to the poor. There's supposed to be some fruits in your lives. And Jesus says, do you know what? A fruit tree without any fruit, that's just ridiculous. That's just like nonsense. That's just like stupid. Why would you keep a fruit tree without any fruit? I don't know. Maybe you like the, the leaves and the shape of the branches. I know all the analogies. Someone will pick it apart. But... But Jesus is confronting them with what to them would have been blindingly obvious. And I don't think it's beyond our comprehension either. A grape tree, a vine, there's branches on this vine and there are no grapes. So I said, well, what are they good for? Might as well just be broken off, gathered up, thrown away, burned, put them in the bin. They're not producing fruit. He's not trying to condemn people. He's not trying to make people feel bad. He's trying to confront us with a truth. It makes no sense to claim to be an heir of this amazing kingdom that is about the transformation of our world with God's love, truth, justice, his presence, everything that's good and amazing about him. It makes no sense to claim to be an heir of this kingdom and not have any fruit in our lives. And then he goes on to say this. He says, the branches can't be fruitful unless they remain in the vine. Anybody here ever bought any flowers for anybody? Yes. Or for yourself, because that's okay too. Anybody ever bought any flowers? Yes. Yep, you bought flowers. Yes. Josh is the only one actually being vocal at the moment, so I'm going to have to use Josh. Unless You bought some flowers? How long ago did you buy the flowers? Ages ago. How are they doing now? You don't know. You haven't seen them in a while. What, where, you, do you know where? Did you give them away? You think they binned them? Did, did you not think? I'm assuming that they, they kept them for a bit first. We hope. Um, but 
So did you not, were you not tempted, when, when you discovered that they were probably in the bin, were you not tempted to take them back and ask for your money back? No. The flowers died, but you thought that was okay. You thought that was perfectly normal. You thought that was perfectly acceptable. Because when you buy flowers, the kind that are cut and not still connected to a plant, you know one thing for certain, don't you? They are going to die. In fact, they're already on their way out. I mean, you do everything you can with that little sachet that's impossibly sellotaped to the bottom of the um, flowers. You're like trying to get it off and it bursts open, it goes everywhere, and you mix it in the warm water and you do everything just like it says on the instructions and still it adds about two days to the life of those flowers that are already dying. Now, this is really technical, I know. It's because they've been cut away from the plant. Now, I know, you see, my mom, I preached this in Longside um, this morning, where my mom and dad are part of the congregation. My mom comes up to me afterwards. She goes, actually, flowers die anyway. Even. Okay, but it's just an analogy, okay? It's just an analogy. Never have your parents in a congregation. Um, they don't have any kind of worry about just coming and saying whatever to you. Um, but, you know... The plant, the whole thing, not just the flower, but the whole thing is going to die. Why? Because it's separated from the plant. It's not part of the plant anymore. It can't live. You know that. You're not surprised. You're not like, oh my goodness, this is outrageous. Let me take it back. Let me get my money back. You know they're cut flowers. You're not expecting them to carry on living because they're not part of the plant anymore. So why do we kid ourselves that we can produce the kind of fruit that Jesus wants us to produce in our lives without maintaining our connection with the vine. This is what Jesus... It's so simple, isn't it? So simple what Jesus confronts us with. He says, don't be stupid. Don't be stupid. Don't be daft. How could you think that you could produce the kind of fruit that I'm calling you to produce? He's not like, do you know what? I love you so much. I don't care about fruitfulness anymore. He's not like, you know, you're so special to me. You're just so the apple of my eye. You're just so irresistible to me. I'm prepared to overlook the whole fruitfulness thing in your case. Um, and, and you can go. No, he says, you're part of the vine. You have to produce fruit. Because that's what you are. And it makes no sense for you not to be fruitful because you're part of the vine. So let's not even have that conversation whether we should or shouldn't bear fruit because it's obvious. You should bear fruit because you're connected to the vine. And if you remain connected to the vine, you're going to produce fruit. But if you disconnect yourself from the vine, then you can't produce fruit. Ever gone for a day when you felt disconnected from Jesus? Or is it only me? I mean, I should, maybe I should just go and cry in a corner somewhere on my own if I'm the only one here who's ever had a day where they felt disconnected from Jesus. Maybe you've been through a day when you felt like that. Maybe you've been through more than a day. Maybe you've been through a week. Or maybe you've been through a season where you felt disconnected from Jesus. Let us not kid ourselves when we find ourselves in those times that we can go on bearing fruit. And let us not kid ourselves that that is not an issue. Because we were made, called, set apart, saved, born again, so that we could be fruitful. 
And so Jesus confronts us with this challenge. It matters if there's no fruit in your life. And it is impossible for you. You have to be convinced of this truth. Blindingly obvious fact for them because, you know, they, they get the whole agriculture thing. They're like, oh, yeah, obviously. How could we produce fruit if we're not connected to the vine? Now, there is enough in the rest of the Bible, in the rest of what Jesus says, to reassure us that if we notice a lack of fruitfulness in our lives, he's not just like itching to snap us off, throw us into the fire and burn us. That actually, he's longing to help us to be fruitful. That actually, even when he catches us in the midst of the most terrible sin, he doesn't wipe us out and hurl stones at us, but actually he says, come on, leave that life of sin behind. Come on, leave that behind. Come and be holy. Come and be righteous. Come and be fruitful. You see, this is not, this is not a wipe you out. This is not a condemn you. But this is a, I've got better for you. But it's not just a warning, and it is a warning, because Jesus, he's full of grace. He's full of love for you. He wants you to succeed. He's going to help you. He's going to empower you. But equally, he wants you to know it's not okay not to be fruitful. So there is a warning here, which you hold in tension with this whole thing of God's grace is amazing. God's always going to love me. He's always going to be for me. He's always going to forgive me. Even when I'm faithless, the Bible says that he is faithful. So he's always going to remain faithful to me, even when I'm faithless. He's always going to restore me. He's always going to forgive me. And still, he's going to confront me. And he's going to say, what's this lack of fruit thing that's going on in your life? I've called you for more than this. I've called you to be fruitful. So it's a warning, but it's not only a warning, it's also a promise. So let's read again from verse 5. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that's thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. You see, Jesus, he longs to bring glory to the Father. And he says, the way I'm going to do that is actually enable you to bear much fruit. And all you have to do to bear much fruit is remain connected to him. It's a promise. It's an opportunity. There's grace here for us this evening that says, get connected. Get reconnected. Re-establish your connection with Jesus because there's a promise here for you. If you will remain connected with him, it will produce fruit in your life. Now you might think, yeah, but this whole like... You know, the photosynthesis and the, and the drawing up the nutrients and the, and the getting the water. And I don't even know what like, the chemical formula for photosynthesis is. But this is the thing. He's the vine. He's the vine. You're just the branches. So he's got all that stuff going on in him. He's got everything that is needed for a healthy plant going on in him because he is like health itself. Yeah? There is nothing deficient or lacking in the vine. The vine is entirely healthy. 
So as long as your little itty-bitty branch is connected to this splendidly healthy, best vine ever, you are going to produce fruit. You are going to produce fruit because there's nothing deficient about all the life-giving processes that are going on in that vine. Does that make sense? There's a promise. So the question is, how do we remain in the vine? How do we remain connected? Or as some translations, older translations put it, how do we abide in Jesus? If you will abide in me, if you will abide in my love, Jesus says, if you will remain in my love. In fact, that, that verse itself, verse 9, where Jesus says, As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. That could be a little bit troubling, couldn't it? Because it could be a little bit like, Oh my goodness, I better watch how I walk through my life because if I'm not careful, Jesus will stop loving me. My Father loved me, I've loved you, but remain in my love. It's like, oh no, what, I, I might, have, have, I, have I slipped out of God's love? Now, Jesus says, as the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now, Jesus, when he got baptized, the heavens were opened, and a voice came from heaven saying, this is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Now, Jesus had done nothing in terms of public ministry at that point. He'd not healed anyone. He'd not raised anyone from the dead. He'd not... You know, done all the um, spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon me stuff. Um, he just heard God say, I love you and I'm pleased with you. Okay. The sweets working their way around here. Something is going on over here. Just so you know, it is really distracting. Um, so Jesus has, got, um, Jesus has got this whole affirmation from God himself that he is loved. He is totally loved before he does anything. Okay? So as the Father has loved him, so he has loved you. He's totally loved you before you did anything. Doesn't the Bible say, it says that God demonstrates his own love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Christ died for us while we were still sinners. He gave his life for us when we'd done nothing to make ourselves attractive to him. We were still in rebellion against him. We didn't care about him. And yet he gave his life for us because he loves us. So there's nothing deficient about the love of Jesus. And he's always going to be pouring out his love towards you because his love is unconditional. He's never going to stop loving you. But Jesus does say this. Now remain in my love, verse 10. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love. Just as I've kept my father's commands and remain in his love. Now, the father loves the son eternally. Nothing is ever going to stop the father loving the son. But Jesus says, when I am obedient to the father, there's an obedience. Abiding, there's a living, there's a re residing in the love of God that takes place. There's a connection, there's a, there's a locating myself in the love of God. Now, that, that love of God is unconditional. That love of God is permanent. That love of God is not going to stop. Jesus is not going to stop loving you. Even if you make the biggest mistakes ever, he is still going to love you. 
He's always going to love you. He's always going to be reaching out to you. He's always going to be calling you back to himself. He's always going to be offering you his grace. But he says, what I want for you is that you would, rather than constantly wandering off and having to be called back, what I want for you is that you would actually learn to live in that love, to live in that grace, to live in my presence, to stay, to permanently abide, to have your permanent sense of being right there in me, in my love. And he says, to do that, obey my commands. I don't quite like this, do we? Because it's like obedience. Ah, you know, we like grace. We like grace. We like, we like, oh, it doesn't really matter because he just loves us so much anyway. And now here's Jesus saying, you really have to be fruitful because it makes no sense to be a child of God who isn't fruitful. And so if you're not being fruitful, it's a problem. But he says, don't worry, because if you remain in me, you will be fruitful. Great. How do I remain in you? Be obedient. Be obedient. Be obedient. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I've kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. I've told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. So love looks like obedience, and obedience looks like love. Love looks like obedience. Loving God looks like obedience to God. And, and what's the obedience that he asks for? Well, actually, he asks us to love him with all that we are and to love our neighbor as we love ourselves. So the obedience that he asks for is to live a life of love. So he says, love me with all of your heart. Be so in love with me that you just want to be obedient to me. And the, and the obedience that I'm asking you for can be summarized as this. To love God and to love everyone around you. To give your life for the kind of truth and justice and righteousness that matters to God because you're so in love with him. Now, of course, we have to read the rest of the scriptures, particularly the, the New Testament scriptures, to, to begin to understand some of the stuff, you know, take some time to work out how does he want me to live my life? What does faithfulness, what does obedience look like in practice? But it all begins with that heart of love. It begins with a passion that says, it matters to me that I live my life in love with God. It matters to me that I express my heart, my devotion, my worship towards God. That I, that I stir that hunger and that passion inside of me because I want to remain connected. Because I want to live the kind of life that he's calling me to live. I want to I stand up for justice because I love him. I want to speak the truth because I love him. I want to conduct myself with purity and holiness because I love him. I want to guard my thought life. I want to break free from addictions because I love him. I'll seek help with that. I'll make myself accountable. I'll ask people for help. I'll ask people to pray with me. I'm passionate enough about all this stuff to do something about it because I love him. 
Because there's a love for him in my heart. Because I want to stay connected with him. Because it matters that I bear fruit to bring glory to him. And I'm not going to beat myself up. I'm not going to condemn myself. I'm not going to judge myself if there's a lack of fruit. But I am going to come to God and say, that's not how it's supposed to be. I'm not going to sell for this anymore, Lord. I don't want to settle for a lack of fruit in my life. I don't want to be okay with just turning up at the meetings. I don't want to be okay with ticking the box that I did my daily Bible reading. I don't want to be okay with being a Christian in name only. But Lord, I long to bring glory and honor to you. I long, I long to remain, to abide, to dwell in that place of loving union with you where I'm walking faithfully with you. And I know you're always going to love me. I know you're always going to love me. But I want to live in your love. I want to abide in your love. I want to live in that place of sweet communion with you. Love looks like obedience. And obedience looks like love. And if we ever need convincing of that, then think about what we remembered this evening with the bread and with the wine. Think about the cross. Love looks like obedience. He humbled himself and became obedient, even to death on a cross. The most spectacular demonstration of love that ever was looked like an act of obedience on the part of Jesus. And that act of obedience looked an awful lot like love. God calls us. God longs for us. He loves us so much. He wants you to have a fruitful life. He wants you to produce the fruit of the kingdom. He wants you to know what it is to live, to demonstrate, to proclaim with your very life the awesome truth of what it looks like to live under the good and loving rule and reign of God. He wants people to be able to see that in your life. He wants people to be able to pluck the fruit off your life, to taste and to see that the Lord is good. Sometimes we can feel like that's an awesome responsibility. That's so hard. That's such a pressure. And Jesus comes to us and he says, just stay connected to me. If you will live your life utterly, passionately, madly in love with me, and if you will preserve your connection with me, if you will invest into your connection with me, if you will pray, if you will worship, if you will spend time with me, if you will encounter me through your brothers and sisters, if you will give time to me, if you will draw close to me, if you will fellowship with me, then you will be fruitful and you will bring glory to your Father in heaven. Can we pray together? Father, we don't want to miss the point of what you've done in our lives in calling us to follow you. We don't want to be a fruitless branch. We want to be healthy and strong and vibrant and 
just full of fruit. We want the joy of bringing glory and honor to you. You said you spoke these words to us so that your joy would be in us and our joy would be complete. You've not spoke these words to us to condemn us or make us feel bad or make us feel guilty or, or make us feel shame. You've spoken these words to us so that we can be full of joy, so that we can know the pleasure of being fruitful and bringing glory and honor to you. So we say, Holy Spirit, we repent of any fruitlessness in our lives. And we give ourselves to you again. And we say, come, Holy Spirit. We pledge, we, we give, we commit ourselves to living in fellowship with you. To knowing you, to loving you with everything that we are. To remaining in you. To being obedient to you. To walking in fellowship with you. To listening to you. To doing what you tell us, Lord God. We give ourselves to maintaining our relationship with you so that we can be fruitful to your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Bless you guys.